Stay in touch with us. Facebook, Radio 2000 ZA. Right, we're having our conversation with the Human Sciences Research Council. They hosted a dialogue on race and racism last week, Thursday. So we're finding out about the outcomes of this dialogue from Dr. Gregory Houston, who is the Chief Research Specialist at the Human uh, Sciences Research Council. Good afternoon, Dr. Houston. How are you this afternoon? Good afternoon, and thanks for having me on Up Science. Thank you. Um, well, thank you. Thank you for joining us on this public holiday. I know uh, this might not be how you would like to enjoy your day off. <laughs> <laughs> tell us, tell us, tell us, Doctor, what does a dialogue like this seek to accomplish, and what were the key outcomes from the dialogue? Uh, thank you, yes. Um, the dialogue basically was a starting point for us, you know, on, on an issue that. Uh, the, the three editors that put the book together feel very strongly about, mm. and that is about race and racism. So there was starting point about you know, bringing people together to discuss this topic. Yeah. Uh, and we started off, you know, the background to the topic in the book that we had edited uh, called Paradise Lost Race and Racism in Post-Apartheid South Africa. Mm. So this one, you know, there's some opportunity where we begin to discuss this very uncomfortable topic. Mm. And it definitely, because we're also seeing an increased number of racist incidents, right, that that are bringing yes. to the fore really deep-seated um, feelings on the matter. Yes. Uh, you know, this is the thing. I think one of the things that happened, one of the outcomes actually dialogue was just how uncomfortable a topic this is. When you talk about race and racism, you know, these are uncomfortable topics. Yeah. Because you're sitting among people you know, you've got to start with where we come from. And our yes. historical past is a racist past. Yes, yes. Uh, the roots of our, ra- our racism is in our, our party past and, and the most immediate past. And it's an uncomfortable topic mm. because we're sitting with people who, you know, who benefited from the party. Yeah. So and, uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, Doc, what, what then do these outcomes say about our drive towards social cohesion as a nation? This is a challenge in the country, you know, and, and I personally feel, and I think my co-editors do too as well, that this is the major stumbling block mm. to social cohesion, and that is race. You know, apartheid created this hierarchy of race, in which some benefited more than others from you know, the social goods of society. Mm. And whites were only the main beneficiaries, but Indians and, and so-called colored people also had what you what one would call relative privilege yeah. compared to, to African people. Now you get a post party society in which those privileges are lost. Yes. And, you know, people sit they sit there and they suddenly they, I don't think many people realize this is part of where the racism stems from, in that they've lost that privilege. Yes. That has come from the the, the, the apartheid era. And of course, some people continue to maintain privilege. Some people still have that privilege. Indeed. Um, despite the post apartheid era. So you would but it's an uncomfortable situation. Yes, yeah, so you would say that to a large extent it has to do with a, lot, with a loss of privilege by some. Yes, uh, in a part of the program in which whites benefit in almost exclusive uh, privilege in some areas, political uh, privilege, mm. for instance. Economic privilege and, um, and the benefits of the social benefits. So, what we do in the book, you know, is outline our, our apartheid past. Mm. 
And interestingly enough, you know, uh, one of the speakers, keynote speakers, drew attention to the crime of the uh, you apartheid know, being declared a crime against humanity, which actually indicates that there were criminals. There was an actual, there were criminals behind the process uh, of apartheid. But it's uh, uncomfortable in the sense that um, people have benefited. I mean, there was a dispossession of land, mm. the, the unemployment, the, the employment. Uh, privileges that some people had, the highest salaries people had, the benefit, the access to health, housing, etc. that people had, because they were defined in a specific race. If you were black African, you could not move around mm. from one part of the country to the other. Mm. You could not settle in certain areas, live in certain areas. So these are the types of things that you start. It's, it's extremely uncomfortable. I felt it as a so-called colored person, talking among white colleagues yeah. and then other white people, which is really uncomfortable. But we need, the second alternative we do need for the dialogue. Yeah. But but do you do you think, Doc, that we will ever experience a non-racial South African, which, you know, race becomes irrelevant and we don't have any racism incidents? We cannot put this on the back burner. Mm. We cannot... And this is one of the main outcomes of the struggle. The liberation struggle was fought for a non-racial society. If we are going to say that this is something that we should put in the back burner or not even trying to deal with, then we are saying, you know, a lot of people died. I mean, we have human rights today, and we're looking at the people who've, who can't even sacrificed their lives for the struggle. They have sacrificed their lives for something that we think that we never achieved. We need to to move towards it. And it can be one person at a time. Mm. Changing people is important. It is necessary to change our mindsets. That's the only way we can deal with racism. But, but Doc, you know, we have these important conversations um, that I feel are, have, are had by some in our society. How do outcomes of, this, of, of, of conversations like these filter into greater society? Yes, it's about having more and more dialogues. I think this is what we realize. We need to have more and more dialogues. And we're talking across the race. Mm. You know, we're talking about the different race groups participating. And, and, and because it is in understanding where other people come from. Yeah. And we need to understand how we're impacting on them. You know, how race is impacting on them. Yes. How we, in our, in our individual racist ways, impacting on them. Our privileges that we have that we think is now lost by other people have been deprived opportunities. So it's not about dialogue. Because people, I think a lot of people just don't have an historical sense of yes. where we come from. Yes. I hear you completely. So so what were then the recommendations on what the country needs as a solution to the issue of racism? We have racism manifests itself in many ways, multiple ways, and this is what we cover in the book. So there are specific ways in which one can deal with issues of race and racism in specific areas. What is central instance, you know, the way in which the, the, the white privilege continues to persist in the country, for instance, mm. is in language policy at universities. As an African student going there to listen to lectures in English and Afrikaans, mm. in difficult. They are placed at a disadvantage. So, how do you deal with that? You start to introduce policies that 
and practices in which the vernacular is used at universities to, to break it better for, for, for African students to, to perform. Mm. So those are multiple little ways in which you can deal with racism. How do you deal with it in, in sports? If, if you have certain um, suggestions of how we approach dealing with race and racism in sports. So the starting point is do various different things. BEE. What can we do about BEE? What can we do about affirmative action in the workplace? Mm. So there are various different mechanisms that one can start to look at to change race and racism to make it you know, to make race irrelevant. Mm. But also it's about the mindset mm. of people. Because that is why it makes people act in a racist way. Mm. And that is a difficult one. So it is about conversation. Otherwise, people have to just stay in the same mindset that they have at the moment. Yeah, I'm hoping, Doc, that um, conversations like these that you were having, powerful conversations like what you were having, can truly drive us to a non-racial South Africa at some point. That's what we all aspire for. I mean, we all would not like to. I think anybody now who's sitting in a white, let me put it another way, any white person with privilege at the moment would not like to be treated, you know, discriminated against. Yes. No person wants to be treated uh, by another racist, you know, in a way. And we all can be racist. Yes. All of us can be racist. So I think it's something that we all aspire to and should all aspire to. And it's a difficult task. You know, it's going to take a uh, as generations, and we hope yes. that you know these younger people today who are experiencing life differently to what we experienced during apartheid mm-hmm. can really start to take this process forward as among themselves because it is about dialogue, talking to each other. We're racism at school, we know about the stories. Mm-hmm. So, how do you actually deal with it by talking to each other, coming to understand where I come from, where you come from, what you're experiencing, what you're thinking, why are you thinking in a particular way? Mm-hmm. Why behaving in a particular way? So that we understand each other and look at what is common between us. What is it that we have common? And then that's a starting point. Thank you so much, Dr. Gregory Houston. Let me let you get back to your holiday, good sir. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. That's Dr. Gregory Houston uh, telling us about a powerful conversation that they had. The Human Sciences Research Council, they hosted a dialogue on race and racism last week, Thursday. So he was uh, catching us up on the outcomes of the dialogue. Board knowledge, we've got you covered on 100.3 FM. Feel good music.